Hello, and welcome to the Workplace Happiness Podcast. In upcoming episodes, we're going to be focusing on working from home. With more and more people working remotely, it's important to know how to work comfortably and efficiently from the comfort of your own home. The idea of flexible working options or working from remote locations has certainly been on the rise in recent years. In 2019, a survey found that 61% of global companies were offering some kind of remote working policies. It was also found that 80% of people would turn down a job that didn't have flexible working options when faced with two similar jobs to choose from. And now, the current global pandemic of COVID-19 has accelerated the need for businesses to accommodate home working where possible. In upcoming episodes, we'll be speaking to people about their working lives and how they're adapting to working from home. In this series of the uh, Workplace Happiness podcast, where we're focusing on working from home during the Corona-19 lockdown, I'm delighted to be joined once more by the very brilliant uh, Baroness Martha Lane Fox. And as all of you know, uh, Martha made her name uh, at a very early stage um, with founding lastminute.com, is a tech entrepreneur, has supported the government and does so much uh, so much in so many different areas. Martha, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Um, could, could you just give the listeners just an idea of what your normal working day looked like before the corona lockdown? Well, you know what? It's, I think I said this when we were speaking before. I didn't really have a typical day. It's one of the things that sometimes I find hard about my working life. And sometimes I just think, oh, I'm so lucky that I have quite a lot of the pieces in my own um, hands to be able to move around. So I, I did work from home a bit, not, not a great deal. I, I did work from home a bit. I was go to the House of Lords when I was doing my committee work there or when I had something I wanted to say or speak about or obviously do legislatively. Um, working in my charity, Everyone and traveling around quite a lot, doing quite a lot of public speaking. I use my voice wherever I can because it's one of the main tools and weapons that I have. Um, and so uh, I would often be talking to um, either small groups of people or large groups of people uh, in different places around the world or in this country. So um, quite varied um, and often, uh, as I say, quite flexible in where I am and what I'll be doing week to week. So how does it feel different for you now in the COVID lockdown? I have to say, you know, uh, I am lucky. You know, I, I am sitting in a nice house. We have a garden. I have my own space to work. We just moved house before the lockdown, which was an incredibly lucky thing because I'm very fortunate to have my my own office now and I haven't had one ever before in my working life. So lucky, 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 huh? Um, so it's different because I realized that actually I'm not very good at working from home and I'm not sure I especially like it. I think when you choose to do it for an afternoon or a day or whatever a week, it feels like a luxury. You structure your time. You've got maybe a purpose to it. When you're forced into it, it feels like quite a different thing. So um, I realized that I was extremely spoiled beforehand and being able to make the choice actively. And now I, been a bit petulant about it and uh, find myself much less able to focus than I normally am. I, I was laughing when I saw somebody, I can't remember, sent around a picture or put a picture up on Instagram saying, give yourself a break about being your most productive. It's a global pandemic. And I definitely have been suffering from that a bit. You know, I'd sit down at my desk thinking, right, I've got to make a meaningful contribution to something. I want to help. I want to, you know, be purposeful. And then 
45 minutes later I'm still staring at the screen or just playing around on you know, pick a social media platform as appropriate so um, I'm lucky and I'm finding it hard so honestly not a day goes by I don't think about people who've got to navigate small children no space maybe no outdoor space and working from home I, I salute people and I thank them for everything they're doing so what do you what do you least like about working from home well probably because I'm a contrarian it's being made to <laughs> I think that it's the forced nature of it you know I think it's totally um, if I ever had any creativity it's stamped it out in a way I think that um, being able to take time out from your normal working routine to have a different environment to think about things in a different space to maybe think I'm going to do some writing this afternoon I'll do it at home or I'm going to read this thing I need to read I'm going to do it at home is very different to I have to be able every day to do my work in this same space probably not really getting up from your desk very much you know my partner Chris is working from home and he's had like 85 Zoom calls like everybody in a row. And I just think, you know, I feel like we had it wrong when we had everybody sitting in enormous uh, open plan offices for 12 hours a day in contact centres. I definitely think an eight hour a day Zoom conference fest is not a productive way to go either. So I think it, it probably is the, the forced nature of it. And, you know, I like moving. I like walking about. I like working while moving and being in different locations. So I just find that on a personal level, just very constricting. And it definitely stamps out my imagination and I think innovative ideas. But what have you done to try and sort of survive this as best you can? Well, I, I think um, a couple of things. Uh, firstly, exercise. You know, I did a lot of exercise anyway because of the accident that I suffer from the consequences of a badly constructed sentence, people understood what I mean. So it's a, a big part of my routine anyway, otherwise I'm in pain and I can't function mentally or physically. That's just ramped up now, right? I um, exercise every single day, I give myself maybe one day off. I try and do my normal exercises with weights, you know, physio, all that stuff, but also get out for a walk as well my government mandated hour of exercise either with my twin three and a half year olds or not um so i find that incredibly helpful and it sets up the day in a positive way that's the first thing and then the second thing is you know it is trying to give myself a little bit of a break you know i mean that quite seriously i think everybody should be trying to be kind to one another and particularly themselves at this moment in time and it's, I'm, again, I say this very well aware that I'm in an extremely privileged and lucky position, but I think generally good bosses and good companies are realizing that for a lot of people, this is really tough and they can't be expected to be as productive as ever. And they can't expect them just to do the normal back to back days work in their home office. And I think realizing what your pressure points are and working out a bit of navigation around that. So being kind to yourself is very important. For me, something I've taken great solace in is poetry. So I've tried to read a poem a day that I didn't know before. And um, it takes 15 minutes, maybe half an hour sometimes. And I will try and do it every day. And I cannot tell you how that just puts my brain in a different place and just gives me a bit more kind of, uh, I guess, just resilience to to keep on going. And is that where you found joy in the lockdown or happiness? Oh, that's a, a good question. I think, you know, again, being with two, three and a half year olds, it's quite hard not to find the happiness. Um, I've really tried 
say this to Chris a lot every day I'm trying to find those moments of joy for them and for all of us and there always are some you know whether it's we're going to wear our policemen and fire costume outfits to breakfast this morning or whether it's you know we're going to have a pant disco or whether it's you know we're going to do something ridiculous so I think um, again it, it's easy with small children to find those moments of joy in fact it's kind of an imperative beyond them um because i know it's not always joyful with small children uh yes absolutely i find my joy comes a lot from from books from reading from poetry as i said but also it's not um a rep it's not you know replicating friendships and networks and family structures of course is it but you can find a new kind of uh, happiness in those moments of connection with people that people are creating whether it's strangers, you know, the amazing outburst of creativity around people doing amazing things on YouTube or Instagram or Twitter, whatever it might be, you know, something to laugh at every day. I've found funny things or been sent funny things. Just looking at this morning, a hilarious uh, mashup of the sound of music with somebody singing. These are my favorite things to do in the COVID virus. And it's very funny. So I point people to that if they want to look at Julie Andrews being a twit. Um, so, you know, there's so much creativity happening. And then it's also, you know, it's not the same, but I got my dad on Zoom. He's a classical historian. He writes the gardening column in the FT. He has done for 50 years. He doesn't really love computers, but I had an actual video call with him and it was an absolute miracle. You know, <laughs> That was quite joyful because I never thought I'd see his face in my computer. So, you know, I encourage people to take it where you can and to build it into the day. It's just because there's hideous stuff happening in the outside world doesn't mean people shouldn't be entitled to some joy. And, and Martha, you, you do a lot with charity, but also you're still heavily involved with business. How's the corona uh, pandemic affecting the charities and the businesses that you work with? That's such a mammoth question, as you know, and it's, um, this is when I find my natural joie de vivre and optimism is slightly more uh, dampened, obviously. You know, it's really tough. It's incredibly tough. Just if I think about myself as an example, I started this crazy karaoke business, Lucky Voice. We have quite a lot of cash, um, but obviously anybody in hospitality or entertainment right now, that's a tough place to be. Had to furlough a lot of people, had to let go a lot of zero hour contract staff that work in our bars, restructure the business to try and preserve it to be able hopefully to give people the best shot at employment at the end of all of this. But that was hard. And the guy, Charlie, running that business has done an amazing job, acted quickly, acted with clarity, dead up straight with the employees, and has been trying to do as much as we can in our online service. You know, so that's just one business and the ripple effect into all those people's lives is events. And I look at um, my small charity, Dot Everyone, that builds responsible technology. You know, it's an absolute nightmare trying to raise money right now and not being able to get face to face with funders. And, um, you know, understandably, of course, technology is important at this moment, but people obviously want to also support frontline services and things that maybe feel double meaningful in this environment. So that's hard. And then I think about the things, you know, that I'm help try and help in my on boards or whatever and i look at the different um places i'm, I'm working so i'll just give you another example queen's commonwealth trust uh, fabulous charity supports young people around the commonwealth queen's commonwealth trust is lucky it actually has the resources to help fund things and to do things again it needs to raise money uh, like every charity that's tougher but also the people that we are helping in the countries we're working whether it's in South Africa or in Malawi or in Tanzania or um, in India, it's, it's really brutal. You know, the, the side effects from this stuff is tough 
and people might not be getting project money very locally so things going much worse for very very small projects and brilliant social entrepreneurs in their own countries but also you know what they're then battling against you know if you're working in a health charity right now you're seeing something you're never going to see hopefully haven't seen ever before and hopefully won't see again too quickly so from every angle i think we're all being assaulted and it's incredibly hard to know how this plays out it really is and uh, i know you're all obviously the the chancellor of the open university yeah and academia has its own challenges as well and so when when you view the situation from all the angles that you view it from mm. what, what's your sense about getting the balance right between lockdown and the economy and charities i think i mean i think that it does feel doesn't it as though there is going to have to be an acceptance and a shift that um well having made the right decision to put the national health service at the front of all of our concerns and try and as much as possible both serve the people that work there by not completely overwhelming them although i know that that is an ironic thing to say in any situation many of them face but also help patients get the access to the care there will come a point where we're going to have to kind of move the balance a bit and allow um, people to go back to work and start to re um, organize ourselves for this next phase my own view is that we're going to have to be pretty um, clear with vulnerable people and older people who might be more at risk for a very long time I mean find it hard to imagine pre-vaccine what makes it much safer for some constituent groups and that's a, a horrible thing and i wouldn't wish it on anything but i think we're going to have to make those choices around the economy about saying well actually now it feels as though you know we can send a signal that people can go back to work by and large but 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 if you feel at risk or you are in an older group then you need to be taking care until we can get something more um, sustaining to you. So I think it's gonna to have to be that phased approach. Uh, I think it's gonna be really interesting what happens in some of the countries now that are beginning to wind out of their lockdown to see what happened. Um, you know, whether we acted early enough, I don't know. I can't, I don't yet get a sense of whether we're not yet quite at peak and how the next couple of weeks plays out. It's very hard to gauge, isn't it? So like any crisis, I, if I was in charge, I would be, trying to really get as much information on a on a daily basis and hourly basis to be able to assess where things are going and, and uh, not make assumptions too far ahead in the future. And if, um, if we were sitting today in the House of Lords uh, and you were able to ask a question of the minister uh, in charge, what would you ask? Well, there's so many different ministers <laughs> to, to want to ask questions of, you know, I think if I was looking kind of economically, I would really want to ask questions about why the payments has been so slow for people to achieve and get access to, you know, in, in Germany, as I understand it, people are getting paid one day and getting money in their bank account the next day. And we should be aspiring to that. You know, we're living in 2020, we're not living in 1920. So we must make sure we have the operational capacity to really help people and organisations quickly. Um, you know, I think the the Chancellor has done a good thing in supporting people through salary. I think that was a smart move and looks looks bold and, and, and insightful, but I think we can make sure the money gets to people and that we get that relief package. So I'd be asking those kind of economic questions alongside, and this is where my dear friend Brent has been doing work on startups. I do feel like there is a bit of a hole in the ecosystem about startups and what that looks like. don't have all the answers, but I think that 
someone needs to be making sure that that's not an area where suddenly we've stifled innovation in this country through startups, not through big corporates, they're always going to be fine, but through that incredible network that has been building over the last 20 years in the UK. So that'd be one area of concerns. And then I think, you know, I'd come to my own, not area of expertise, because no one's expert in technology, and if they tell you they are, then I think they're lying. Um, but I would be interested to know from many angles, you know, how, what data are we using? How are we going to work? You know, Apple and Google have announced they're building this tracking infrastructure effectively that apps will then be able to be built on the layer on top of. How are the government planning on interacting with these new infrastructures? What are the um, boundaries around the kind of privacy and surveillance that they're thinking about in terms of rolling out some of this tech stuff, how they're using data, you know, and I would be asking specifically around the health challenge in some of those tech areas. But then the final bucket, if I'm allowed one more bucket of questions, you've got economic, you've got health. I think the final thing is, you know, as you may know, Mark, I did a lot of work trying to encourage the rapid digitization, more digitization of this country, you know, and I think about i just didn't do as good enough a job because there are still far too many people at this point particularly who have not got access to good quality internet internet infrastructure or don't have the skills to use it and surely if nothing else this crisis has shown us that we cannot have a two-tiered society when these moments happen because we are now all reliant and it is sometimes a matter of life and death so i would be asking about how we make sure we really do head into a super fast uh, infrastructure future where everyone and I mean everyone has the same ability to connect and to enjoy and use often the life-saving services that I, I fear we are going to rely on again. Um, and my last question is that I, I'm reading a lot at the moment from people who are arguing that either everything will change as a consequence <laughs> yes. of this or that nothing will change mm -hmm. and we'll just go back to the way that we were. What, what's your reflection? Yeah it's I mean, I'm at risk of sounding a bit flaky and in the middle of that. I mean, probably both, right? You know, I, on my better days, I sit here thinking, wow, they can see the Himalayas from the Punjab for the first time in 30 years. You know, pollution levels around the world are back to 1950s levels. Surely people are going to have liked being able to breathe the air that they're living in. Surely businesses are going to realize that they don't need to travel about as much as they were traveling about before. Surely people can see that, you know, we need to shift our behaviours to be able to face into what is the next or well, equally important climate catastrophe. In my, my more dispirited moments, I think oh, that's just a load of crap. I mean, I think it will completely depend by area, by background, by age group. You know, I talked to my younger cousin who's, you know, 24, 25, and she said, as soon as the pubs open, her friends can't be, you know, they're desperate to get back and see each other again. Whereas, you know, my mum, who is 71, she's got heavy respiratory problems, she's in a dangerous category, she's a person of solitude anyway, of course she wants to see us all, but I think what she's realised is she's a lot more resilient than she thought, um, that she, you know, she would be prepared to be much more careful, and I think you know, change her lifestyle in terms of tra short haul travel and long haul travel to a degree that perhaps she hadn't thought was possible quite before this. So I think it's impossible to give one answer. I think everything will happen and you'll find all kinds of behaviours. But I do hope and I do believe that um, there will be an impetus to invest in and make sure that we are um, helping 
build a sustain more sustainable future. I mean, I know this is something Mark you've thought about for decades as well, but I just cannot believe that while in this crisis it hasn't been brought to people's attention, and I mean people with money particularly, that we have to make sure that we are able to face through the next decade with the right tools, and that is in a large part being able to make those sustainable choices. So I hope you'll see investment into the carbon low economy, low carbon economy just shoot up and that you know this will be a trigger for more meaningful investment. And I choose that word carefully because I think it does have to start with your money very often. Okay. Well Martha, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to um share with us how you're um you're managing the lockdown. Uh, and also to give your reflections on the future. As always, it's a real pleasure.